This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Morning, everybody. Such an honor to be here. Thank you uh, for having me. And so, yeah, good morning again and good morning to those online. And I'd love to, yeah, share with you a little bit about what God's been saying to me and I pray that through this that and through his word that will speak to you too. Hey, God, I thank you so much that your word is living and active and that as, as we look at your word and we look to you, God, that you'll speak to every single one of us today. Amen. Well, last November, <clears throat> I went away on a little holiday with my siblings and here I am, I think, it says it's on, with my little brother and sister at East Beach in Kaima. So now the secret's out. You all know why I have a super huge big hat, because I just have to make sure everyone knows I'm the big sister, right? Okay? I'm the big sister. That's my little brother and my little sister. So hands up if you're a little big sister or brother. You can put it in the chat if you're online. Tell us if you're a little big sister. Anyway, we're away, and while we're away, they asked me, so what are you going to do for your 40th next year? Because I turned 40 earlier this year. And at the time, we were in restrictions and couldn't have too many people around. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, well, what if I actually took the money that it takes to put on a party and, and use it to do something to make a difference? What if instead of people bringing gifts that they donated to something, what if I could raise... 40k for my 40th and my brother says you better do something for that how about you run 40ks and I was like cool I'm not normally a runner but I spend most of my life running after three kids so sure I could do that yeah let's do it let's run 40ks for my 40th and so it began December 2020 training to be a runner I found this website called Couch to Marathon. That's where I was starting. 20 weeks, that was about my time frame. Awesome. And then I spent a little bit of time chatting with Colin Seckold, who's part of our 1030 service here um, at Padstow Lifegate. And he's done not just marathons, but he's done Ironman challenges where the, the warm-up before the marathon is an ocean swim and cycling. It's crazy. So anyway, I thought he was worth talking to. So he gave me some good tips, and then I was doing short runs and long runs and hill runs and bush runs and sprained my ankle twice, pulled a hamstring. So there were definitely some moments of doubt. But I saw a physio, he can fix the injuries, gave me some strength training to prevent further injuries, more running. And then I had some amazing cheering from particularly neighbours as I was running up and down my street. Go, Kath, how far have you gone now? So more running and more running. And then I got a friend uh, helping me with the campaign to try and share the word, this is what I'm doing. Now, my social media skills, if you don't know me, aren't awesome, but did what I could, and then I did some more running. And then I had a bit more doubt because, you know, 40 kilometres is actually a long way. <laughs> but anyway, more encouragement from amazing friends and more running and then some more running, and then finally the day came, April 24, 2021, the break-free run. Now, my birthday was actually back in March, but anyway, 
we're not going to be too pedantic about that. Break free run. Now, as I was actually running on the day, I was having a little drinks break. And one of my kids said, Mum, break free run. Why are you having a break? I was like, no. This is the run to break people free from a world of slavery. That was my why. It was to break people free from a world of fear and to break people free from this world where they're actually afraid to run, even if they have the opportunity. And you hear stories, if you look into it, that people who do run can be picked up by police who are actually connected to traffickers and they get taken back and threatened with death. And it's just horrible. But hang on a minute, you're all going, isn't this your 40th birthday celebration? (laughs) Where'd that all come from? Well, let me take you back. My story actually starts about 20 years ago. I finished uni and a friend of mine and I decided we'd go overseas to celebrate. So we went to the travel agent and found this place. White sands, crystal blue waters, luxurious accommodation, so lovely. But if you also know me, I don't sit still too long, so also wanted some adventure. And this place had hill tribes where you could go and learn how to cook with the people, and I ate squirrel, and we went on elephant rides. It was amazing. Thailand. So, so excited. And we got in that plane, took our nine-hour flight, and we got out. And when the airport opened into the streets of Bangkok, I was like, this is nothing I have ever... This was not in the brochure. (laughs) It was unrecognisable. And the poverty that I saw of people on the sides of the roads begging for money and the stench of the place just shook me. And I did really enjoy the holiday, But when I came back, something in me had changed, and I didn't even see the worst of it. But I thought, what can I do, little me in Australia? But I discovered an organisation called Compassion, and I sponsored a little boy from Thailand. And I sponsored him all the way through the project until he was old enough to get a job, and he moved um, out of the program. One little kid was all I thought I could do. So about 10 years later, and Mark and Sam Bulma, who um, many of you might know, travelled to Cambodia. I didn't know exactly what they were doing over there, but they came back and they shared right here on this platform. And I discovered through them that poverty leads to a world of slavery that I could never have imagined. And worse, that it's culturally accepted in some countries. When they stood here and shared with me that, well, not just me, but with the the church, that there are safe houses and rescue houses for kids as young as eight years old, I broke. And I was actually leading worship that Sunday, and I just sobbed on the stage. God completely broke me, and I was changed forever. Now, the more I looked into the issue, the more I realised how widespread different forms of slavery are in the world today. And yes, it still exists today. There are more people enslaved than ever before in history. 
Human trafficking, it's called, is the illegal trade of human beings. They're traded like cars. And it's the recruitment, control, and use of people for their bodies and for their labor. Globally, it's a $150 billion industry. This is some people's business. And I've been told of apps you can get, buy a slave. And it's just alongside other things you might buy. And there are rescue houses for kids much younger than eight. And even though it's not culturally acceptable around the world, human trafficking is happening in every single country, which means it's happening right here in Australia. Though in places like here, it's so far underground because it's not accepted that it's so hard to find. And to me, this is not okay. And I had to do something about it. But what? <laughs> what could little me possibly do to make a difference? What do I have to offer? Now, over these 20 years, I've done little bits here and there to raise awareness and, and funds to help fight against slavery. But for huge chunks of time, I've done nothing or felt like I was doing nothing to make a difference. I just found the whole situation too big and didn't even know where to start. And I think that's a problem for lots of us. Um, as I talk to kids finishing school these days, there's so many choices of work or study, and they're just like, uh, I'll just take a gap here. <laughs> or you open your wardrobe and there's so many clothes, oh, I'll just go buy some more. Or we look at our kids and we say, and you see them, there's just so many toys, so that I just don't play with any of them. And we look in this world and there's so much hurt that I just don't do anything. <laughs> and I think for many people, the deep question is the same as for me, is what could I possibly do? What... Oh, sorry. What do I have to offer? Well, for me, it was celebrating my 40th by running 40 kilometers, which I miscounted and actually ended up being 42.6. So, woo, marathon. <laughs> anyway, to break people free. And we've heard testimony after testimony of people here at LifeGate who are taking what they've got in their hands and doing something. So Catherine, who's going to a nursing home and being a friend for someone who's, who's alone, or Melissa, who's uh, gathering families with Down syndrome and, and creating a community support, or Jenny, who's knitting for fish and chip babies, <laughs> taking what they have and using it. And I'd love for us to look together at a part of the Bible today where the disciples thought... They had nothing to offer, but Jesus showed them otherwise. <laughs> so we're going to turn to Mark chapter 6, and I've preached from Mark chapter 6 before. I love Mark. Maybe one day I'll do a series <laughs> on Mark, but not today. Today I'll give you a brief overview leading up to chapter 6. Jesus is ministering. He has started his ministry. He's called his disciples. He's teaching amazing things. He's healing people. He's gathering a crowd of people, so much so that he's now sent out his disciples, multiplying himself, replacing himself, expanding so that now they are out and they are teaching and they are healing and they are gathering 
And at um, Mark chapter 6, verse 30, they come back and they're reporting all that they have done and taught, says here in verse 30. They gathered around Jesus to tell him all that they've done. There's been healings and we've been teaching and more and more people are coming. This is so excited. Then, as we read on, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, hashtag mum life, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Yes, please. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. This is getting better, hey? It's quiet and it's solitary, just me and Jesus. <laughs> Take me there. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot. I don't know if they're going to run on their hands, but they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, lost and searching. And so he did something. He began to teach them many things. By this time it was late in the day. And so the disciples came to him. I'm not sure they were feeling quite the same level of compassion at this point. They say, this is a remote place. Hang on, it was quiet and solitary. But now suddenly it's remote. Oh dear. And they said, it's already really late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Jesus, we're tired. We're drained. We just want a quiet, solitary place. Send them away. Anyone else been there? Like the end of a day and you're just tired and you're just like, go away. Go away. Just need some space. No, just me. <laughs> So Jesus also has compassion on them. No? No. <laughs> he says, you give them something to eat. <laughs> they said, what? That would take more than half a year's wage. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? Jesus, what are you thinking? Jesus, we've just forgotten everything we've done and taught because we're tired. Now, if we flip back to verses 8 and 9 in this chapter, these are Jesus' instructions when they were to go out. He said, take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. So they didn't have half a year's wage. They didn't have anything. They'd just come back. But the Bible doesn't tell us that they came back starving and tattered and torn. God had provided for them. And they'd just come back to share all they'd done and taught. But they're tired. And sometimes when we're tired, we forget stuff. But Jesus did have compassion on them, yeah? And he says, well, what do you have? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so they go, they found out they have five loaves and two fish. Now, in the account in John chapter 6, it says that it was a little boy who had that lunch. So a little shout-out to mums who pack lunch. Good job, mums. And the other kids obviously had gotten hungry and eaten it all. Um, so then Jesus directed them 
to sit down in, in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Wow, we're getting a picture of the amount of people. There's a lot of runners in this area of the world, right? Taking, taking the loaves. Can we hear that? He took the loaves. We'll come back to that. And the two fish. And he looked up to heaven. He didn't look at the loaves and the fish. He didn't look at the hundreds and fifties sitting in front of him. He looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke it. Then he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. He gave it to the disciples, and what did they do? They gave them something to eat. He also divided the two fish among them all. And what was the result? Abundance. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces and bread, and P.S., that was 5,000 men who were married and probably had more than one kid. That's a lot of people, right? Wow. Summary. Jesus said, give them something. Disciples say, we don't have anything. Jesus asks, well, what actually do you have? The disciples say, we've got five loaves and two fish. Jesus takes it. He breaks it, and he provides abundantly. And then the disciples give them something to eat, which is what Jesus said in the first place, right? <laughs> and how often is this our story, right? So Jesus says, hey, go do this, Kath. And I go, oh, I don't have anything. Okay, move on. Or we go, no, 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 I've got more faith than that. Jesus says, Kath, go do this. And I say, but I don't have anything. And he says, well, what do you actually have? All right, I've got, I've got this, but don't take it. How many of us still have the courage to let Jesus take that little bit that we have? Have that faith to trust that he will provide abundantly. Now, for me, I have carried this long desire to do something to stand against slavery in the world. I felt like Jesus saying, Kath, do something. And often I felt like I have nothing. But he was an opportunity, my break-free run. But during it, there were injuries screaming at me physically, you can't do this. And then my brain jumped on board and said, yeah, you're right, you can't do this. And remember those bad social media skills? No one even knows about it. And anyone who does doesn't care. And this isn't actually going to do anything. And then there was the pride. Saturday mornings, the one family day we get in the week. And I was like, sorry, family, I've got to go running. And during the week, it was like, sorry, kids, get ready for school. I'll go running. I know you're seven, but just do it yourself. I'm running. So what did I have? <laughs> I had a heart that wanted to do something. I had an injured body, chunk of doubt, bad social media skills, four months training as a runner. Oh, okay, Jesus, you can have that. And he took it. And he broke a few things. <laughs> Jesus had to break a few lies in me. I can't, dot, dot, dot. This won't do anything. He had to break that pride and remind me, this isn't about me. What's my why? It's about people who are trapped 
He had to break those doubts. And then Friday night before my run, we'd raised $1,000. And the lady who set up our campaign talked me down from 40K, so we set 10,000 as, as the goal. And one of my kids saw the 1,000 and went, never going to make that. I was like, thanks for the encouragement. Um, but sure, it doesn't look like it. What if we could get to four? Hey, as a family, let's just trust Jesus. And the Saturday morning, as I drove to the starting point for the run, I just was praying and I became so overwhelmed by the people who were trapped, those people in slavery and the life of suffering that they live. And I just cried, which isn't a particularly safe way to drive, but I thanked Jesus for keeping me safe. And I said, Jesus, this is what I have. I've got $1,000 and two little legs. And I'm just going to run. And by the time I got to the finish line, we had raised $4,000. And by the time the campaign finished, closed, we'd raised $5,500. And then, just last week, when I was donating to the two organisations, Destiny Rescue and A21, and one of those organisations had a donor who said, at the moment, I want to double, I want to match every donation. So the donation I could give was doubled. And then we had some cash donations, people who missed the campaign and still wanted to give. And in the end, $13,000. That's called abundance, church. (laughs) So what about, what's next? I think this journey has taught me to listen to Jesus and just offer what I have. Let him take it. Let him break it and let him make the difference. So my question is for you today, church, what's in your hands? Maybe you have a business. Offer it to him and let him take it and provide abundantly for others. The founder of Transform Cambodia who we support as a church, Mark Peterson, is an amazing businessman. And he took his skills and leadership and the financial blessing and he has created an organisation that is going to transform the culture of country. Maybe you've got friends and family in your hands. They're not saved. Offer them to Jesus. Pray for them. <clears throat> Maybe it's your children. Show him all those parenting skills you've got. Let him take them and break them and start all over again. <laughs> Maybe you've got a home. Maybe you've got a barbecue. Maybe you brew beer. <laughs> Invite friends over and, and bless those around you who don't have people to share. We've seen videos throughout this month of people that have taken what they've got in their hands. Tony skills as a teacher, tech skills to create an app that can connect families. Hands up if you've got a phone. You've got a phone in your hand? How about you ask Jesus and post some gratitude, some love that speaks against so much. Maybe you can text someone that you know is all alone. 
How about you call your mum? <laughs> What's in your hands? The founder of Destiny Rescues understands that we can't do everything, but he believes that we have two choices. We can do nothing or something. And I believe we can all do something. So I ask you, church, to think right now, what is in your hands? And I'll give you a moment to think about that. And the challenge is, will you do something with it? Now, maybe you're sitting here today and in your hands is a whole stack of questions about this guy, Jesus. Who is he? There is so much hurt in this world. I don't know if I trust him. And I have chosen to follow Jesus. And I can share you my story. This is just a little piece of it, of how Jesus is changing me and making a difference in my life and the life around me. And so I encourage you to really look to Jesus. And maybe today you need to offer your life to Jesus. And if that's you, I'd love to pray with you right now, whether you're here in the room or watching online. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for Jesus. God, I'm sorry that I try to live this life on my own. I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I offer you my life. I choose to follow you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know what I got. I don't have anything in my hands. Well, I would love to pray with you now. Or if you do have something in your hands, I pray for courage to do something. And we'll be here to pray with you after the service. Or if you're online, hit the prayer button. We would love to pray with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for what's in our hands and for every single person here today. I pray that you'll give us eyes to see what's in our hands. And I pray that you'll give us courage to do something with what you've given us, God, and that you will, you will make a difference. And thank you, Jesus, for all that you have given us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I do invite you to the front for prayer. If you're online, I thank you so much for being a part of this service. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.